You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked On Mets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. What a weekend of Mets baseball, and particularly, what a game on Sunday as the Mets win a thriller against the Phillies to take the series in the rubber match. It's going to take me two whole segments to get through everything that happened in that game on Sunday. It was back and forth. Your emotions were probably going wild, but ultimately, somehow, the Mets came away with a victory. So I'll go through everything that happened there. In those first couple of segments. Then in the third segment. I'll touch on what happened in the first two games. Of this series. But really what I want to talk about in that final segment. Is the legend of Donnie Stevenson. The Mets ambiguous new approach coach. Who has somehow turned this lineup. All the way around. Before we get to any of that though. I'm your host Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. One thing that could have got lost in what was, again, a crazy game on Sunday is the fact that David Peterson had another really nice start. I'm paraphrasing, but after the game, Luis Rojas said something along the lines of Peterson is the type of guy who can get punched in the mouth and bounce back and keep fighting. He continues to rave about his poise, and that's exactly what we saw on Sunday as Peterson gave up a leadoff homer to Andrew McCutcheon, and he walked Reese Hoskins and gave up a base hit to Bryce Harper, and you thought this game was going to go sideways really quickly, but after a mound visit, he bounces back, strikes out Real Muto, and then gets a double play ball to escape that jam, and from there, gave up just two more hits, one more walk, and pitched four scoreless innings. After that, at one point in that stretch, he struck out five consecutive batters, Finishes the game with eight strikeouts in his five innings pitch. Just a nice outing by him. But this game is all about offense as the Mets ultimately scored eight runs. They first got on the board in the third inning as Jeff McNeil had a double and was later driven in by Michael Conforto. McNeil had four hits in this game going four for six. He went from below the Mendoza line all the way up to 238 as his average rose by 45 points. Great to see him. Get a little bit hot here. Hopefully that carries into the next series. And Michael Conforto, who I'll talk about in depth at some point this week, has been red hot. Went 3-4 for in this game on Sunday with a walk, a run scored, and two RBIs. In the sixth inning, the Mets took a lead as Dominic Smith hit a leadoff double. He was singled to third by Kevin Pillar. Then VR came up, and Jonathan VR had one of the worst strikeouts you'll ever see which he later redeemed himself for, but just swung at three consecutive pitches, nowhere near the zone. This is the experience you're going to get with VR. 
That's why I was critical of him. But you know what? He's making me eat my words. And I will admit when I'm wrong, even though I still believe in the opinions that I shared earlier on this season, he's the best you got right now when it comes to bench players. And it is good to have a Jonathan VR who can make some stuff happen when Louis Guillaume and J.D. Davis both go down with injuries in one weekend. It looks like Guillaume will be back after an IL stint uh, with the oblique injury. It seems, though, that he's progressing pretty well from that. And it looks like Davis will hopefully be able to avoid an IL stint with another injury to that hand of his. Getting back to this game, though. After VR's bad strikeout, the Mets were able to score a run as the Phillies made a bad play in the field. Zach Eflin makes a throwing error on what could have been an inning-ending double play off the bat of James McCann, and the Mets get a run on that play, but that's all they got. So here's where we stood at this point. You go into the bottom of the sixth, the Mets have a narrow lead, and D. Gregorius erases it with one swing of the bat, a three-run homer, which puts the Phillies ahead 4-2, to two, and Mets fans are thinking, woe is me again, this team sucks, they can't score, they don't score in the seventh. But they showed some grit, they showed some toughness, and they battled back into this game. And it's so great to see the offense carry the pitching for once. Miguel Castro has been great this year. Gives up a home run to Didi, and his teammates had his back for once. Hopefully, the Mets can find a way to have a combination of great pitching and great hitting at some point in the near future, because then they can really go on a run. All the talent is there. It just has to come together. And we saw it come together in that eighth inning. Kevin Pillar leads it off with a home run his first of the season. Jonathan VR comes up, gets a base hit, and then we got to watch him run the bases. And I'll tell you, watching VR run the bases is like speeding on the highway. You might get where you want to go fast, but it's really dangerous. And at times, some bad things can happen. There was a couple of moments there where it looked like VR might get picked off. Ultimately, he doesn't. And after McCann flew out, Jose Peraza came up, was down in the count with two strikes. VR was running on the pitch, and Peraza hit a hard hit ball to Reese Hoskins, which he should have fielded, did not. The ball ends up trickling off Hoskins' glove going into the outfield. VR easily makes it to third on the play, but when Hoskins lazily throws it back into the infield, VR takes advantage of the Phillies being flat-footed, not paying attention, and steals home very akin to Daniel Murphy in the NLDS years ago. One of those just ballsy plays by an aggressive base runner that can completely turn the tides of a game. And in this instance, it tied up the game, which was only a precursor for what would come. I'm going to talk about the rest of this game in just a minute as the Mets ultimately came away with the win, but by the skin of their teeth. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. While football's been over, the NBA, the NHL are near the playoffs and Major League Baseball is in full swing. BetOnline has you covered for all those sports. It even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus 
on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So the Mets have an opportunity with the game tied and Peraza still on to really pour on the runs and take this series from the Phillies. And that's exactly what they did in that eighth inning. Jeff McNeil got a base hit. Francisco Lindor drew a walk in both of those at-bats coming against Jose Alvarado, who is one of the biggest villains in this rivalry this year now. Alvarado is this high-octane reliever the Phillies have. A couple weeks back at the beginning of the season, he almost hit Conforto in the head, then did hit him in the elbow and one at-bat. Dominic Smith and the Mets dugout did not take kindly to his inaccuracy during that game. And on Friday night, we saw that come to a head as Alvarado struck out Dom to end an inning and then really tried to show him up and instigate a fight, which led to a benches clearing, I won't call it a brawl, but a benches clearing incident, which has resulted in fines for Dominic Smith and Miguel Castro because Miguel Castro later hit Reese Hoskins in that game, Alvarado was suspended for three games, but luckily the Phillies appealed his suspension, so he got to pitch in this game, and again he gives up a hit to McNeil, walks Lindor to load the bases, and then walks Michael Conforto to give Conforto his second RBI of the game. The Mets take a 5-4 lead, and then Alvarado was pulled because he can't throw a damn strike. And I'm sorry, this dude is dangerous, because... He has no idea where his pitches are going. None. And we've seen this happen in Major League Baseball in the past. You put a guy in your bullpen because he has a 99 in the tank and he can strike out a lot of batters. But if they have no control, there's a reason why the Mets take some offense to him being out on the mound because they got to stand in the box and wonder if they're going to get hit in the head by 100 miles per hour. It's not that... Alvarado is a bad pitcher or that he's doing it intentionally. Actually, wait, let me take that first part back. He is a bad pitcher. He's a great thrower. It's not that he's doing it intentionally, though. It's that as a professional, you should be able to have some semblance of control in the strike zone. And so for the Phillies to keep running him out there, it is something that could get somebody hurt really bad. I tweeted this out. To me, it's like giving a 12-year-old a driver's license. Yeah. Maybe the kid can get from point A to B and not hurt anyone, but they have no idea how to drive a vehicle, and it is potentially fatal to have a kid driving a car at 12. That's Alvarado with 99 in the tank throwing missiles that could potentially hit somebody in the head. It's just, it's almost irresponsible, but that's just the way the game is played. You have to deal with it. But someone's got to teach this guy to throw a strike. Ultimately, for this game, it worked out for the Mets because he was able to give the Mets a lead by walking in a run with the bases loaded. Then the Phillies go to David Hale because they're like, hey, I would hate to see another walk that would give the Mets another run. And instead, Hale gives up a three-run double as Pete Alonso ripped one with an exit velocity of 112 miles per hour. Out to right center field in the gap. Clears the bases. Thanks to Donnie Stevenson and his tutelage, Alonzo comes through. 
The Mets have an 8-4 lead. Game should have been over from there, right? Well, it wasn't. Trevor May needed just 10 pitches to get through the 8th instead of sending him back out there to pitch another inning because you probably already lost him after he pitched two days in a row. Rojas decides to close the game with Edwin Diaz. And whether they chose to pitch May or just Dries Familia or anyone else in that bullpen, it was curious to send Diaz out there when the Mets had a four-run lead. And it comes back to something I've talked about in the past. I don't think that Luis Rojas trusts Diaz to be the guy that can come in with runners on and get you out of a jam if another reliever falters at the start of an inning when you're winning by, let's say, four or five runs. So instead, he tries to just go to the closer, give him a clean inning, and let him notch down a win. And I get that mentality. He's just trying to grab a game in hand. You still have to know your personnel. And Edwin Diaz, for his career, has been bad pitching on no day's rest. A 4-6-0 career ERA prior to this game, where he gave up three earned runs in that ninth inning. On a day's rest, he has a 1.70 career ERA. So why pitch Diaz in a game where you don't necessarily need him when you're going to have a bullpen game the following day and you can give him a day's rest and then at least at the end of the game where the Mets are really behind the eight ball anyway, if they find a way to slug their way through a bullpen game and they're in a position to win, you could have had Diaz fresh on a day's rest to close out Monday's game. Now you lose him, and not only that, he has a back injury now. It was just back stiffness, but who knows exactly where things go from here when it comes to that injury. He threw 28 pitches in this game. And so am I going to fault Diaz for giving up what was nearly a game-tying, back-breaking home run with the batteries Hoskins in that spot? Only a little bit. I'm only going to fault him a little bit because he shouldn't have been out there. It's still Diaz's fault that he walked two batters and gave up a triple prior to Hoskins coming up. You would like to see Diaz be able to succeed pitching in back-to-back games. But if he sucks at it, he sucks at it. And maybe you should learn what he's done throughout his career and only go to that well when you absolutely need to. Especially when other guys are pitching well in that bullpen. I don't love this idea of a traditional closer role in 2021 where we have to have Diaz on the mound to be the guy that notches the win for you. Maybe give somebody else an opportunity who can thrive in that spot instead of going to Diaz just because you feel like it's close enough to a save situation, you want to get the win even though you know that he's not great on no day's rest. So that was my problem with that decision. It is still on Diaz because he was pitching against the bottom of the Phillies lineup. He still should be able to get through that no problem. So it it goes on both of them. I just believe that Familia probably should have been out there to start. And luckily, he ends up coming in and saving the Mets. But I should back up to the home run that wasn't. Because Reese Hoskins hits one out to right field. Hits off the top of the railing above the wall. They have a really weird rule at Citizens Bank Park where there is that railing in front of the seats above the wall, and if it hits the railing, it is not a home run. If it goes on the other side of the railing, it's a home run. So if it hits that railing, bounces back into play, as Hoskins' home run clearly did, suddenly you end up gypped of what could have been 
an electric moment for the Phillies where they could have tied the game. It's an inch off. The Mets get a huge break. Hoskins didn't like it. Too bad. You got to know the rules of your own ballpark. And then with now a pinch runner on second for Hoskins, Bryce Harper steps up to the plate against Familia. Familia has owned Harper throughout his career and does again getting a strikeout to save the Mets, save the game, and save the series as the Mets win and move to 6-3 and three on the year against Philly. It hasn't felt like they've played them really well, but ultimately they have. So now you're sitting in this position where the Mets have a nice little cushion in that head-to-head matchup. And once again, here they are atop the East. Big victory and hopefully a momentum shifter that can take this team to the next level. And a big part of that is the emergence of this mysterious coach, Donnie Stevenson. I'm going to talk about that and also go through the first couple games of this series in just a minute. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They have so many amazing flavors to choose from. My personal favorite is the cookies and cream bar, but I also love the mint brownie bar, the caramel brownie as well. These are protein bars that taste like candy bars. They come covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're healthy. Built Bars come low in calorie, low in sugar, but they are high in protein and high in fiber. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Now, before we talk about the mysterious Donnie Stevenson or Diesel Donnie, I do want to talk about Friday's game a bit. Marcus Stroman was awesome once again, had eight strikeouts and five innings pitched. Exited the game with a hamstring injury. Does not appear like that will pull him from his next start. But the Mets lose this game because they couldn't hit. They only managed a single run. And the only runs they allowed were on a strikeout wild pitch from Marcus Stroman. That was how the Phillies won with two unearned runs. Everyone was once again jumping on this team. The fact they can't score. And April was terrible for the Mets. They were the worst offense in baseball. Prior to Saturday's game, I tweeted out the Mets will lead the National League in runs this month. Now, the reason why I made that prediction is just simply due to the law of averages. After being as bad as they were with the talent that they have and the fact that so many guys are due to break out, and we're already seeing it with Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto has started to break out prior to May, a couple weeks before. Dominic Smith seems like he might be turning a corner. Lindor is still the one that you're waiting for, as is James McCann. But some of these other guys are starting to hit. I just thought, look, at some point, the offense has to come together. And if they average out, they might be the best offense this month to account for how bad they were in April. Well, I didn't even know about Donnie Stevenson, who inspired the mess to score four runs on Zach Wheeler in the first inning on Saturday. From there, though, the bats went silent in that game. I'm sure fans are once again getting concerned. That first inning was a mirage. Here's the one thing I will say about that. We cannot go from the fan base that was rooting for Zach Wheeler 
for all those years and watch a start or watch many starts where Wheeler would throw 31 pitches in a bad first inning and then settle down and keep you in a ball game and then suddenly not acknowledge that great pitching can happen to you when Wheeler's on the other side. And that's what happened in this game. He buckled down, he kept the Phillies in it, and left the game after going seven with a tie ball game as Taiwan Walker gave up a two-run homer in the sixth. That was really just one of a few mistakes he made. Overall, he pitched well, but that home run cost him, and the game was tied heading into the ninth. But Michael Conforto hit a clutch home run. That gave the Mets a lead. And let's not forget the guy that everyone is hating on on Sunday. Saved a one-run game the night prior as Edwin Diaz struck out two in a perfect ninth inning. So where does Donnie Stevenson come into play? After the game, this was Pete Alonso talking about the now infamous <laughs> approach coach, Diesel Donnie, Donnie Stevenson. Also, we uh, we just made a nice nice new hire, um, Donnie. He's he's nice. He's a he's a great uh, hitting slash approach coach. Yeah, Donnie's Donnie's been great helping the team. Uh, he, I think Louis forgot to to mention Donnie. Donnie really helped us today too. Who is Donnie? Uh, he's it's uh, a new hire. Uh, he's our like mental slash like approach coach. Uh, really, re- I feel like we had a, a really cool collective like team approach today, and Donnie, Donnie helped us out for sure. So that is where Donnie Stevenson was born, and then we saw Conforto talking about him. We've seen some other guys mention him now. This is one of those mysteries I hope we never solve. It's a fun gimmick, or who knows? Maybe Donnie is real. I don't care. The bottom line is. The Mets are clearly having fun with this Donnie Stevenson character who they are crediting for this turnaround in offensive performance. And since the quote-unquote hire of Donnie Stevenson, the Mets are 9-for-19 with runners in scoring position over the last two games. They've scored 13 runs and have 25 hits. So maybe there's something to this. Baseball is such a superstitious sport where so many different things can just change the energy and momentum of a ball club. Little things like the way you celebrate. In 2015, there was the championship or the wrestling championship belt that went to the player of the game after each victory. Little things like this can just change the vibe in a clubhouse. And I don't know if Donnie Stevenson was Pete Alonso throwing on a wig and busting into a hitter's meeting, cracking jokes. I don't know if it was, who knows, Chili Davis with an alter ego, J.D. Davis. I don't know. It could be none of the above. Pete Alonzo could have just gotten into the Zoom room after Saturday's game and said, I want to bleep with the media and just made it up. I have no idea how this started. But who cares? Because it's fun. Donnie Stevenson's on Twitter now. And people are enjoying it. And these are the little moments or little things that can happen with the ball club throughout a season that can change everything. Because baseball is a weird sport. It just is. It's a marathon. It's a slog to go night after night. And especially when, as a team collectively, you're struggling to hit. Something just has to change. Something has to give 
where you can forget about what's happened in the past, realize that you're in the position you are because you are professionals that are capable and you can start to come through and start to have fun as a ball club. And that's what this Donnie Stevenson feels like. It just feels like the Mets shaking off the rust and the the sluggish start to their season, coming together, rallying around something that could be the stupidest thing in the world. And Pete Alonso is not a great liar if you're watching him in these media sessions. It's not like he's the, or I shouldn't say liar, maybe not the best actor. Um, This is the type of thing that would go into a championship DVD at the end of the year. Whether it's a real thing, whether it's not, whoever, if we ever learn who Donnie is, it just doesn't matter. We remember in 2015, along with the belt, there was the parakeet sleeve with Ioannis Cespedes and the parakeet that was in the, you know, at City Field, and that turned into something else, and and ultimately that was a a little rallying cry. The smallest things can snowball. And this is how random winning streaks can come out of nowhere and you can go on a roll. And I'm not saying that this Mets team is fixed. This is a game that they almost lost a million ways on Sunday. But they won it. And maybe they're going to go to St. Louis, win a bunch of games there, and take off a bit. This team is too talented to play the way they did in April. They just are. I don't know if they're World Series bound this year. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know what's going to happen. But they should be having more fun. And as a fan base, we should be able to have more fun around this team. And hopefully Donnie Stevenson is the impetus that changes all of that and takes the Mets from being a frustrating team to watch to being one where you just enjoy turning on a game and getting lost in the narratives of a summer. And maybe this is the start of that. Let's all hope. As they say, you gotta believe. The Mets now have a rough game on Monday. Didn't get a chance to preview this series. As the Mets start a four-game set against the Cardinals. It'll be a bullpen game with Sean Reed Foley. Likely being a guy to pitch a bulk of the game, at least at the start. We'll see what happens. I will break it down on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. Going to do another giveaway this week. As I record this, not sure what that giveaway will be, but as this episode is posted, you can find it on social. So check that out. Also, if you want to get more of the sports news you need in less time, Check out our new Locked On Today podcast. Hosted by Peter Bukowski, Locked On Today is a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes by subscribing to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts.